0: Father the Son and the Holy Spirit one God amen today we're blessed to hear the homily for the first time from the blessed servant uh, Michael Sammy we pray that God gives him grace to speak to us and that he opens our hearts uh, to hear his word good morning everybody blessed feast of the cross as we heard um in the Synaxarium, today is one of the two feasts that our church commemorates the Feast of the Cross. The, um, so today is the 10th of Paramhotep, or Baramhet, as we all know. And because this day comes usually during fasting, because we're in Lent right now, the church brings another celebration of the Holy Cross, and actually the other celebration is 2 to the 17th, the 18th and the 19th, and the reason that it's three days is because just in case the the feast comes on another day of fasting, such as Wednesday and Friday, it will be sure that even if it comes on a Wednesday or Friday, there will be another day where it will be a proper feast with no fasting. Um, I just want to comment a little bit about the history. So the reason that, or one of one of the one of the stories that we know how Constantine came to win and become emperor, is there was a battle. In order for him to become a sole emperor, he was battling with the other emperor of of the West. And the night before, or um, right before the battle, he had a vision, and there are two accounts. In, In one account, there is a vision of him seeing the sign of the cross in the sky on a cloud, and it was said to him, by this symbol, you will win the battle. And then there is another account that says that he saw the first two Greek letters of the word Christos, which is Chi, which is kind of like an X, and then rho, which is like a P. And so, whichever story it was, he put the symbol on the shields of his soldiers that fought the battle, And he ended up winning, thankfully, and declared um, Christianity to be a legal religion in the year 313. So the battle was around 312, and then 313, Christianity became a legal religion. The next thing I'd like to go over is just how to sign the cross. A lot of times in church, you know, when we're rushed or when we're just quickly, we kind of do it over our hearts or use our one finger. But the proper way to sign it is you have these three fingers, right? Your thumb your index, and your middle finger. You take these together, and this symbolizes the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And then your other two fingers, your ring finger and your pinky, this is a symbol of the unity of the divinity and the humanity of Christ. Again, the first three are for the Trinity, and the second two are for the divinity and the humanity of Christ. So you take those together You sign your head for the Father, and then your navel for the Son, because he came down and took flesh, and then Holy Spirit from left to right, because the Holy Spirit brings us from the left hand to the right hand side, from darkness to light, or from non-glory to glory. Now I'd like to meditate a little bit on the idea of the cross and the relationship the cross has to our salvation. I'm going to teach you guys a little, a little fancy word called soteriology. Soteriology is the study or the doctrine of salvation, of how we come to understand salvation and how it applies to us. And interestingly, the root word sotir is the same word in Coptic we use for savior. When we say pensotir or pasotir, our savior, the savior. Unfortunately, we tend to see the cross as a plan B or a response, God's response to the sin which our father father Adam and our mother Eve committed in paradise. We always have this idea of Man, if if Adam and Eve didn't eat from the tree, we'd be totally fine and we'd all be in the garden and we'd we'd be living them by now and everything would be happily ever, ever after. But because they messed it up, God had to be like, okay, take a step back and act. What should I do? What should I do? But nothing is further from the truth. I'd like to look at scripture because scripture is going to give us the perfect idea of all these doctrines of salvation and incarnation and all these things i want to comment on saint paul in his letter to the ephesians says something very interesting in chapter 1 verse 3 he begins of course with his introduction and the greeting paul the blessed servant and then immediately in verse 3 he says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So two things that jump out. St. Paul is is saying that Christ chose us before the foundation of the world. And we know that this is true and this is difficult for us to understand because in our sense of reality, we have a, we have a, um, the sense of time goes from past, present to future. But we know with God, He's timeless, He's eternal. And so there is no time or any moment or whatever like that where he didn't know or he didn't have foreknowledge or he 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 didn't know what we were going to do nor what how he would respond but saint paul says before the foundation of the world meaning that we were all chosen every single human being and that the cross is not an accident the cross is not a response and we also come to this idea of predestination, which I feel is very, very misunderstood nowadays because of um, the other Christian traditions. They have a different idea for the word predestination. And a lot of Orthodox, unfortunately, because they see that idea, tend to shy away from, from understanding what predestination is or even even looking at it altogether. But I'd like to, I'd like to take this and kind of take it apart a little bit we see something very interesting in creation. In the Genesis narrative, chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see God creates everything. And the way he creates everything is he speaks, right? And he says, let it be, let it be, let it be. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be um, land dividing the waters, and there was land. But when he comes to the creation of man, By the way, just out of curiosity, does anybody know which day, which day, because we know it it wasn't a 24-hour period back in Genesis, which day was the creation of man? Sixth day, the sixth day. And when God spoke, the scriptures say, let us make in our image let us make man in our own image according to our likeness so this word make is very very different in comparison to the to the way everything else that was created was created one was let it be came into existence and the second let us make and the, the grammar here is a subjunctive grammar, meaning that it is, it's something that is an active thing. It is not something that's just one and done. So God meant for man to be a project. God meant for man to be a project, unlike all of creation. Now, I'd like to jump now to the 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 scene of the cross and at the very end when our savior was crucified he said three very interesting words does anybody know what what were his last words those three words on the cross it is finished it's quite an interesting statement. Like what, what, what is finished? Is it our salvation? It is. Is it the suffering? Is it the agony? Is it the, the time? Is it this time? What exactly was he talking about? And I think we find the answer if we look at the Genesis narrative. Because on the cross, man was finally perfected. And so I don't think it, Um, I don't think it coincidence that when man was created was the sixth day, right? When was Christ crucified? The sixth hour of the sixth day as well. So we see the parallel here, the creation of man in the sixth day. And then we see the crucifixion of our savior in the sixth day as well. And so when he says it is finished, he's speaking about the perfection of the creation of man. And this is why also we see Adam as a type of Christ. And Paul always mentions Adam as being a type of the one to come. So Adam, within Adam, when we look at Adam, we see, we see Christ. We see Christ. And when we see Christ, we see the perfection of Adam, which is the perfection of all mankind. And so this is, this is what it means when, when, when Christ says, abide in me and I in you. When he says, abide in me, become perfected in me, become a perfect human. And I in you, I will make you perfect. And this idea of perfection only comes through the cross. There is a beautiful, um, one of the beautiful verses in the doxology of the cross, it says, held to you, O cross, the weapon of victory, held to you, O cross, the throne of the king. W- what an amazing thing to think of the cross as a throne of the savior, because we we have this idea that you know it is suffering and it is agony it is unpleasant which it is all those things but at the same time it is the greatest and purest expression of love that exists for those of us that were um that were uh, attending matins today it was from the gospel of john and in the gospel of john you'll find many many different not different but there would be different explanations on the same occasion, as opposed to the synoptics. So the synoptic gospels of Ma- Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then John is considered a separate gospel. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when our Savior um, is seen in the garden and he's weeping and he has he has tears or he, I'm sorry he has drops. Of blood as sweat, in feeling intense anxiety and intense, just so emotional. All of the gospels say, when he asked the father, he said, Father, if it be possible for me, or if it be possible at all, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless let your will be done. But in John's Gospel, in fact, John writes the opposite. And he says, when Christ was, was uh, there talking with the Father, he writes, What then shall I say? Shall this cup pass from me? It is the very reason why I came. And so in John's gospel, Christ cannot even fathom the idea of giving up the cross because it is for this very reason he came into existence. And if anyone has the the time or the the resource to find the book On the Incarnation by St. Athanasius, amazing, amazing, amazing book. And interestingly enough, it talks more about the cross and the sacrifice of the cross Rather than the incarnation itself, I believe the word incarnation is mentioned maybe four or five times in the entire in the entirety of the text, and it is all an apology of the cross, a defense of the cross. So now that we know the cross is our destiny, the cross is the role and the journey every person must take in his or her, in his or her own life. How how do we How do we walk the way of Golgotha? How do we become crucified? I'd like to meditate on another another point where um, Christ was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? And when he replied, he replied actually not in one sentence, but in two sentences. He said, the greatest commandment of all is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, which is like it, is you shall love the neighbor as yourself. And I'd like to meditate a little bit a little bit on this. So the first commandment is, we shall love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So the relationship here is from down here to up there. The relationship between man and God. And so we have a vertical line. And then the next commandment he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we have, we have connection and relationship with each other. And so this is a horizontal line. Now what do you get when you combine a horizontal line and a vertical line? You get the cross. So the cross is the fulfillment of the greatest commandment of all, loving the Lord with everything we have and loving the neighbor as the self. This is exactly what Christ did in his entire life here on earth. And so I hope that we can realize this message that the cross is going to be a path of suffering. It's going to be a way that brings agony. And it is the destiny of all of us. And we have we have the responsibility and the accountability to walk in that way. May God grant us eternal life. And glory be to the Holy Trinity, our God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and forever, and to the ages of all ages. Amen.